Again, we welcome Mr. Dealey to the pulpit tonight, and he's going to come now and lead us in the scripture reading and lead us in prayer if you can. Would you take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, please? And I'll begin to read from verse 9. Hebrews chapter 6. If you've got a Bible like mine that has this Indian paper, I just got a a hand signal here to put it on. Yeah, what I was going to say was... uh, and you older ones will know what I'm talking about. Don't use a Bible like this for a sword drill. <laughs> because the pages don't turn all that well. But since some of you won't have Indian paper, uh, you'll have found the place. So I'll begin to read Hebrews 6 from verse 9 on. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we speak, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly, to show unto the heirs of the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made an high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Let's bow in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, again, we make haste to give thanks for the written revelation of yourself. What a blessing. 
what wisdom was thine in setting forth inspired men to write what you wanted to have written to the blessing of your people unto all generations. And so we give thanks, our Heavenly Father. We do see thee in creation round about. Heaven above is softer blue, earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs or flow, flowers with deeper beauty shine since we know as now we know that we are his and he is mine, is ours. We do see thee there and you are glorious. Heavenly Father, you also see the hearts of all that are here in your presence tonight and those on Zoom as well. All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You see the needs. There are spiritual needs. There are physical needs. Yes, and some of those needs are financial as well. But you're equal to all the needs of your people. And you promise to supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so it might please thee, even in this time that we meet together, to move, to give answers, to give guidance, give direction as to how these needs might be met. So work in us, we pray. How we thank you, Heavenly Father, that one day we'll be able to come to you without the alloy of sin. What a glorious day that will be. But we thank you that you are sanctifying us over a period of time and you will bring us to the moral perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ and with bodies without declension, without disease, not subject to death, glorious bodies like unto his. Thank you for that prospect. And hear our prayers in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. James, really welcome. The Lord blesses you open the word to us. Hi. And I want to give reassurance that I am not twins. I am not twins. I see I'm in Zoom, Zoom up there.
and I stand here, but I am not twins. So don't be scowling. Don't worry about that. Just one. Would you open your Bibles back to Hebrews chapter 6? I put a title on the message tonight, An Anchor of the Soul, and that comes from verse 19 in uh, Hebrews chapter 6. But a bit of an introduction, first of all. The main reason for the writing of the epistle to the Hebrews was to encourage true Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, encourage them in their following after the Lord. This epistle is replete with expressions to this end, to encourage them. A good exercise sometime for you is just to go through the book, pick them out. Make a list of them. There, uh, there are a lot of them. And Hebrews chapter 6 contains powerful encouragement. It begins with differentiating between those who are not truly saved. who despite having experienced goodness from God, who continued to crucify to themselves afresh the Son of God and put him to open shame. Not true believers. In the first part of the chapter, um, if you read carefully, you'll come up with that conclusion. And you'll see as well, they're likened to weeds and so on that are to be burned. And that's what will happen to them as they continue to crucify to themselves afresh the Son of God. And then, in the part that we did read from verse 9, if you look at that verse particularly, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we speak thus. What is written before? For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. You see, those crucifying to themselves afresh the Son of God we're putting Christ to open shame by their actions, too. But these true believers that uh, the author had in mind uh, show things that 
salvation causes to appear. And in their lives, they honor the Lord, minister to the saints, and continue. As you see the last part of that 10th verse, uh, continue to minister to the saints. In other words, there's fruit in their life. Evidence that there's spiritual life, you see. And following that, we um, see the urging, the uh, desire on the part of the author, verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that kind of sets it up for the author to go on and talk about um, one who indeed uh, persevered, persevered in faith, and that is Abraham. So you see verse 13 there. And when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And so a word about the promise. We, we could go to quite a number of scriptures, but I'm going to summarize the promise by saying the promise was of a seed who would be the Savior. And um, as, as you read the Word of God, particularly in the uh, uh, New Testament, you, you, get, you get told things that may surprise you as you read them, that the gospel was preached unto Abraham. And one wonders what all Abraham might have known. But he persevered. And he looked for a city that had, whose builder and, and maker was God. That's the prospect that was before him um, by faith. And that's the prospect that's before all true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So a word about the people. And you'll notice the description in verse 18 particularly. Those who have fled for refuge. Fled for refuge. Now some people, when they see the word refuge, uh, think that this is uh, somehow connected to the cities of refuge. That's a possibility. But those, the, the, the truly saved, what, 
They have fled to Christ for refuge in repentance and faith. Uh, they have fled to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, that's a good description. Perhaps it needs a little, little bit of uh, filling out. But uh, that's a good description of what conversion is. And um, they could be identified as well as the uh, offspring or um, of Abraham spiritually, the heirs of the promise. Who are they? Well, those that come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's who they are. And there's real emphasis in this passage of Scripture on God making the promise. And really, that's all God has to do. For he doesn't lie. But not only did he give the promise with respect to the Savior and the salvation that would come from him, but he confirmed it with an oath. And, and this uh, is like double reassurance to the people of God. Uh, encouraging true believers to uh, work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not to be satisfied with the, with the, the present condition, but use the means of grace, prayer, the word of God, that our sanctification might be furthered. Should I say, to be sped up. That's pretty good. <laughs> coming, from, coming from an Irishman. From an Irishman. But don't, don't you ever forget that, well, no, that the, that the guy that causes all the trouble. You know the guy? Oh, I see. Okay. That he was Irish too. Yeah. Okay. Strong consolation that God made promise with respect to the Savior and our salvation and confirmed it with an oath. That should encourage all the people of God properly understanding uh, what this passage is is talking about to lay hold 
on the set before him. The things, the fulfillment of the promise of what lies ahead with respect to our salvation. We have hope as an anchor of the soul. According to the promise and the oath of God. And it's described here as uh, being sure and steadfast. There's safety and stability when you think about an anchor. Now, I grew up in downtown Toronto. I know next to nothing about boats. But I remember being in a a small boat, I guess they would call it a dinghy, and uh, trying to do a bit of fishing. And uh, the anchor was a was a rope with a with a rock on the end. And uh, I went to the spot where I wanted to go, and got occupied with the fishing. Where am I now? It moved while I was busy. The, the anchor was no good. Yeah. So the wind and, and that moved the, moved the boat. Uh, this, this anchor here, it's sure and steadfast. You see, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There is security. There is security to our salvation. And then Hebrews 6 talks about an entering in into that within the veil. Now our hope comes from our heart and reaches into heaven. From our heart reaches into heaven. And it's within the veil. Within the veil. Now I'd like to take your minds tonight on a short trip. I want us, as it were, to take the shoes off of our feet. Not, not, uh, please. I'm talking figuratively and spiritually. And I want to take you within the veil. 
And I want to emphasize one word here, which is entering into that within the veil. Our hope, our assurance, our, our, our faith, reaching into that within the veil. So, we go in the veil, behind the veil. What do we see? We do see the Ark of the Covenant. Because the the temple above is a Shall I I use the word replica? The one that was on earth? When we go in, we see the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know whether... I don't think that there's a verse that talks about the Shekinah glory being over the Ark, as it were, in heaven. But I can well imagine that the manifest presence of God could be there. I do know that the Ark of the Covenant is in there. And over the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. It's like a slab of gold. And at both ends, there are the golden uh, angels. The wings reached out. But what I want you to see especially is there's blood on the mercy seat. And that blood ought to speak to us. You see, our hope is in there. And that blood is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 and verse 12 says, By his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We look at that blood. Eternal redemption for me. Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy Places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's what we should see. And that verse, verse 24, leads us 
to the next verse, as it were, in chapter 6. Notice the word, first word of verse 20. Whither? That's within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's the forerunner. He's the precursor, to use a synonym. He goes before. He's our leader. We will be following him. And you notice the the designation. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. Jesus. You know, sometimes uh, we put things in little boxes in our understanding. And uh, we readily express that what happened at, at the conception of the Son of God, uh, that the God-man came to be. And there's a tendency, that's the, that's the, Chris, that's the Christmas box. Okay. Do you know he's still the God-man? Jesus, the humanity emphasized by his earthly name, Jesus. And that, in the minds of God's people, ought to... uh, Your minds ought to be crowded with a lot of thinking. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He knows what we are going through. He sympathizes. Jesus is the one that's there. But... More than that, beyond sympathy, he can succor. That's that's an old word. What's it mean? He's able to aid. He's able to help. He's able to do what is necessary for us. He's able to succor those that are tempted. Sympathetic because he's been through the whole gamut of things that we go through, yet without sin. 
feeling the full pressure of them, yet without sin, and so he knows. And is sympathetic to what we are going through, but more than that, he is the God-man. And he's able to meet all of our needs. Isn't it a shame that we so, so often we, we've, got, we've got these problems? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? We don't take them to the Lord. Hmm? We don't take them to the Lord and leave, leave them with the Lord. We may pray about it and, and, and leave the prayer closet. I don't know what I'm going to do. don't know what I'm going to do. The one who's within the veil is Jesus. The sympathetic and succoring high priest. And don't uh, miss forever, forever. And you see, hope, assurance of faith is the anchor to the soul that reaches into that, sees the place sees what's there and sees who's there and our salvation is sure because of these things and we ought to be doing to use that verse again working out our own salvation for it is God that worketh in us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Hope is an anchor of the soul from here to within the veil. Sure and steadfast. Not only promised by God, confirmed it with an oath. How firm, how firm.